You're listening to the From the Hack Curling Podcast, part of the Curling News and Sports Illustrated Partnership. Hi everyone, my name is Frank Rock. Welcome to the From the Hack Curling Podcast. This is part one of our 2024 Scotties preview. And as we've done in previous years, we are joined by members of several teams headed to Calgary for the Scotties, starting with Pool B. Hello everyone, thank you for joining me this week. Once again, my name is Frank Rock. Part 1 of our Scotty's Preview will include chats with Sarah Wilkes of Team Homan, Kid Cameron, Clancy Grandy, Heather Smith, and Danielle Inglis. And we start off with one of curling's greatest ever players, Olympic gold medalist and six-time Scotty's champion, Jennifer Jones. Jen, this is the first year that wildcard teams are selected ahead of time, meaning your team did not have to play in provincials. Now, I can appreciate that a direct spot in the Scotties is always better than grinding it out at the always tough Manitoba provincials. That said, I'm curious about whether a small part of you missed the atmosphere of competing in a provincial championship. Yeah, I know for sure. It's uh, it's always fun to play at home, and we don't get a chance to play at home very often anymore. Um, and our provincials in Manitoba are always just so like incredible they're very well attended the ice is awesome so it's always fun to play in provincials I mean you're never going to give up a guaranteed berth and it's it's nice to to know that you're going at the beginning of the season but there there definitely are pros and cons and it's uh it's hard to not to not play at that event when you joined forces with your current team last year, Jen, many viewed it as you mentoring a young team and helping them reach the next level. Now, obviously, they were a solid team to begin with, but at what point last season did you get a sense of how quickly the team was progressing? I mean, most people expected your team to be good last season, but they were also a little surprised at the run the team went on at the Scotties. No, I think we grew a lot as a team last year. We worked really hard in the summer um, to try to work on some things, and I'm hoping that some of my experiences I can share with them and hopefully make their learning curve a little bit shorter than when I was trying to go through it. So they're super talented players, um, but we, we definitely put a lot of work in and, and are trying to figure out kind of the best way to play for our team. And so it's, it's been a lot of fun. Your team won a Grand Slam event uh, this season, uh, Jen, a first slam victory for the remainder of your teammates. As much as the Scotties run last year showed that your young team had already reached a point where they could compete for titles at the big events, how important was it for them to get over that hump and put a win like that under their belts? Yeah, I, I think anytime you can win or just be in a final and know how you react to being in a final and just kind of that experience is always great. And then to win a slam, they're, they're the hardest events to win. It's all the top teams and to go in there and we played quite well and found a way to win it. And we've made a couple of semis this year in slam. So we're, you know, it's great for the confidence and you, you kind of know what you need to work on and, but also know how you perform in those, in those games where you're the only team on the ice. So it's definitely any experience like that will help. And uh, it's, it, it definitely helps for the confidence as well. What's been your team's approach when it comes to prepping for big events like the Scotties, Jen? I know you live in a different province than the rest of the team, so I'm wondering if you organize training weekends before big events or if everyone is mostly working on their own. I think it's been a little bit of both. We've uh, definitely done some training in the summer, um, but then the season gets really busy. So uh, we've gone to Winnipeg if, uh, a few times to train together. We usually kind of find time to fly into events early and make sure that we have some training together and uh you know i'll go to winnipeg actually this weekend kind of before the scotties so there's 
it's probably a little bit of both where we train on our own train as a team and but I think that that's a what even if we live together I think that's a great a great combination I do think you need some individual time and then also some team time Emily Zacharias has been in the house to call the line a little bit last season and for most of this season, Jen. Can you take me into what led to that decision and how Emily has transitioned into the role, given she had not spent much time in the house, even in juniors? Yeah, no, she's been great. We did it last year where Emily was in the house um, sometimes, and so it was always Carly and Lauren basically sweeping my stones, so we didn't want to change change that up um, and kept Emily in the house, but she's super smart and is doing really, really well. She doesn't miss too many line calls and um, really understands the game and is pays a lot of attention to what the ice is doing. So she's doing a great job. Emily has always seemed like a fairly quiet type, Jen, uh, on the ice. Have you had to encourage her to uh, pump up the volume, if you will, uh, on some of those line calls? It's interesting because she is quite quiet, but that was one thing I said, it'll be good for you, you can yell. So uh, she, you know, she's been pretty, she's good on the line calls. You can definitely hear her and she takes ownership and she takes charge and I think it's great for her in general just as uh, just to kind of you know get used to speaking up and doing all of those things so it, it's been it's been really really good fit. Now Jen Carly Burgess gets a lot of attention as one of the current and more specifically one of the future stars of the sport in Canada. Tell me what makes Carly such a talented player and seemingly mature beyond her age. I don't know. I always say Scar- Carly has a little sparkle about her. She just she's got a great personality, which helps a lot. She's just a super positive person. Nothing really phases her, and just just a really kind human being. A great teammate. So she that uh, I mean that's aside from the curling, and she's had success for a very long time in curling. I mean, even though she's only twenty five, she's been around a long time, had tons of junior success. And so I think that breeds a lot of confidence and she's naturally talented and, and always wants to try to get better. And if you have all of those things in one package, it usually uh, usually brings success. Team Anderson will be going for their fifth straight Scotties title this year in Calgary, Jen. Now you won three in a row and almost won a fourth straight. So you can relate to their situation more than most. How much more of a grind is it to win a Scotties when you know you have a big bullseye on your back and that every team will have their game against you circled on their schedules? No, not at all. You don't even think, well, I didn't think about it at all. You just kind of go out there and do what you love to do. And nowadays you play all the top teams at most events you go to. It's just everybody's so hard. So you don't even really, you don't even think about your opponent. I don't think you just think about playing your very best. So I I, I don't know. I, I never really thought about it. I don't I, I can't say it was ever a grind. It's you're playing on the best ice in front of a great crowd, loving what you do. So it's uh, it's pretty special. I interviewed Mark Kennedy before Christmas, Jen, and he shared that he thinks the sport is headed in a direction where the top Canadian teams will find it increasingly difficult to bounce careers, families, and curling at the elite level. He argued that the era of elite players competing into their 40s is nearing its end. I wanted to ask you a similar question from a woman's perspective. Do you see a time approaching when it will be difficult for Canadian teams to continue being competitive versus the European, Asian, and American teams if they aren't fully focused on the sport? I think I'd have to tend to agree with Mark. I think that's where the future is. It's just going to be, it's it's just more and more difficult to make it work even financially because um, most of us need to work in order to live um, over and above the curling. So, and now the curling is just, there's so many, so many events and so many days off. And it's just hard to, if you want to play at the, at the level and play against all these top teams, you're going to have to do that. So uh, not to say that there's not going to be a place for somebody who's a little bit older or, or teens that don't want to put all that time into it. 
um, I think there is a way to do it, but I, I just think it's going to become more and more difficult. And at most, for the most part, you're going to, you're going to see people move on faster. And finally, Jen, many curling fans in Canada are concerned with the country's current and future standing in the sport at the elite and international levels. The bottom line is that other countries have simply gotten better. Do you think we are in a good spot for elite curling in Canada, or do you see a growing storm on the horizon? You know, I haven't really thought too much about that. It's just so in the moment. And I don't know, maybe I'm one of the few people, but I I, I didn't think curling in Canada was in a, in a terrible position. I, yeah, you're right. The the rest of the world is, is definitely... Um, caught up or there it's just it's just harder there's more more depth but that, i think that's great for curling around the world um and as far as competitive curling in canada goes i, I do think we're in a good spot and uh, we've got lots of talent here and i know david murdoch's putting a, putting a lot of time and thought into to where to take kind of curling next and trying to keep up with just kind of evolve and I, to me that's what what life is all about is just evolving and i, I thought we've We've done that in the past, and now it's just a matter of just keep evolving and keep trying to find ways to be better than the rest. My next guest is Sarah Wilkes, the second for Team Holman, who won the Scotties in 2019 as a third for Chelsea Carey. Sarah, your team is 38-5 and five this season. You've played in seven events and made the final in six, winning five titles. So I guess the obvious first question is, what the hell happened at the Tour Challenge in October? <laughs> Oh gosh, that was Niagara, right? That was the one we didn't qualify. That's in. the one. That's the, that's the one where you lost two of your five games this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we actually played like pretty well. Um, the slams are so hard. There's so many good teams, and that was the slam where you were eliminated on your draw for hammer, and they only counted four of them. I think it was so a very small sample size, and it just felt like one of those breaks that we didn't get. Like we got hammer in every single game. So we had a good draw for hammer, but other teams just had a better draw for hammer than us. And we were eliminated on that. All joking aside, Sarah, have you ever been on a team that found its groove early in the season and never really lost it the way your team has done it this year? I mean, you've maximized your, your opportunities to accumulate ranking points and money in about half as many events as a couple of other teams in the top 15 of the world rankings. I mean, it's, it's got to be fun to experience a string of consistent success like that as an athlete. Yeah, I think like it's been a it's been a great start to the season. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> Winning is fun for sure. Um, but we're also all just like so invested in the process of this with each other and trying to get the best out of each other as teammates. And although we're not playing as much as let's say like a team that's played double the amount of events as us, right? Like sixteen, more than double. We're really focusing on finding that balance between training and competition. Your team made an adjustment to, to the lineup this season, Sarah, with Rachel returning to her traditional role in the house and uh, throwing last stones as she's always done, and Tracy playing third full-time now. It's worked out very well, obviously, but sometimes results aren't a true reflection of things. And I'm wondering when you felt the team really found its groove this season when it came to this new configuration. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, definitely. A, like the biggest transition was for Tracy, right? To go from being in the house to being a sweeper. So she's just fully embraced that process and like put everything into like learning how to be the best sweeper that she can be. In terms of shot making, it's no different than last year, right? Everything, everyone's throwing the same shots as they were last year. Um, so it's just Rachel slipping back into that position at skip, which was a natural transition. And Tracy's just been amazing at embracing her new role. Sarah, you and a Scotties playing the third position, and now you've played both uh, second and lead for Team Holman at the Scotties. 
Does the knowledge of having played those three positions at the elite level help you during in-game situations where you might be able to offer some advice to uh, Tracy as an example, given that it's her first season as a full-time third? Mm-hmm, definitely. Like we all have so much experience at like different positions, right? Um, all throughout our lineup. Um it makes it really easy to support each other, right? Because we can really understand what that other person might be going through um, at their specific position and, you know, help them be the best that they can be uh, while embracing their new position. Sarah, what does a non-competition week look like for you when preparing for an event like the Scotties? I mean, how many times do you throw rocks during the week? Do you have a strategy session or two with the team over Zoom? In short, what do the couple of weeks prior to the Scotties look like for Sarah Wilkes? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, like, as a team, we're in constant communication, uh, just kind of chatting with each other, checking in on how practice is going, like, sending each other our thoughts on what we're doing. And me, myself, like, it's a lot of time on the ice and just getting to that spot where I feel really confident going into the Scotties with my technical, my weight control, all of that from a throwing perspective. Um, And then also making sure that I'm getting my training and my off ice training in terms of strength and conditioning to make sure that my body is prepared as well. Um, With that being said, also making sure that I'm maintaining myself and like getting my Cairo, my physio so that my body is in the best possible you know, form that it could be leading into the Scotties because it is such a long event. And being a front-end player, there's just so much sweeping, right? So a lot of it is like, yeah, you want to make sure that you're on the top of your technical game and all of that. But as a front-end player, you need to make sure that your body is ready to take on the marathon that is the Scotties, right? So um, yeah, a lot of practice, a lot of training, but also making sure that I'm like maintaining my body in terms of preparing for the Scotties as well. How long did it take you to figure out uh, the preparation process that would allow you to be at your peak for uh, Scotties week, Sarah? Ooh, I would say I'm still learning. <laughs> still, it's a it's a moving target, right? And the older you get, like the <laughs> the more it changes, right? Um, for sure. But I mean, I would say that I've had some amazing practitioners who have helped me figure out what that looks like. Um, in terms of how much I should be training, like how close to the Scotties I'm still going to be like doing my, my strength training and conditioning when I'm going to start to taper. Um, I've worked with some really amazing strength coaches over the years who have helped me figure out what that timing looks like. So yeah, I kind of have it down to a bit of a formula, but I would say like, it's still a bit of a moving target, especially as my body changes as, um, I get older. <laughs> Sarah, I understand why a team would much rather be named a wildcard team before the start of the season than have to win provincials to qualify for the Scotties. But as someone who grew up playing the sport where reaching provincials and winning that event was a big deal, whether it was in juniors or in women's, uh, is there a part of you that missed competing in provincials this season? Yeah, I mean, I would say from a performance perspective, it's nice to know, like, yeah, we're in the Scotties. We can plan accordingly. Um we don't have to play like two really long events in a row, that being provincials, the 10 ends, it's pretty long. And then you have a kind of quick turnaround to get to the Scotties, 10 ends again, a long event. If you win that, then you're going to Worlds. So it's like kind of three marathons in a row. So from like a performance perspective, it's nice to not have to worry about like peaking three times there and the fatigue that you have mentally and physically from that. Um, But I would say like from an emotional perspective, like I went and watched some of the provincials because it was just right around the corner from me. 
um, and being there and watching it and like feeling the excitement um, from the fans and the teams. Like it was like, oh yeah, you kind of do miss that, that part of it. Right. And like connecting with like the volunteers from the local community. Um, sure. Yeah. I miss that for sure from the emotional side of it, but from like a strictly performance side of it, um, it was nice to know exactly what our calendar looked like at the start of the season. Speaking of the Scotties, Sarah, you've played in a few different formats at the Scotties so far in your career, including a full round robin, then pool play with a championship pool, and now pool play with this championship round that they created, I believe, starting last season. As an athlete, which one of these formats do you actually prefer? Oh, man, it's so hard. <laughs> I Honestly, it's hard to even remember all the different ones. Um, but, you know, I like the idea of playing everyone, right? Like playing that full round robin and having to play every single team. Like it it is kind of strange to play a Scotties and, you know, not play everyone. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say I do miss that. I guess the natural follow-up question to that, Sarah, is whether the players have been able to figure out the new format because it certainly felt strange last season. We were actually talking about it last week and I get it now. I think I, I've got my head fully wrapped around it. And you want to come first or second in your pool, then you get two lives in the next round. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm 99% sure I've got it. <laughs> there you go. And finally, Sarah, Team Woman has been at or near the top of the women's world rankings over the past decade. Still, since 2014, they only have one Scottish title to show for it, despite several close calls, including in 2019 when they lost the final to a certain team from Alberta with you at the third position. What's it going to take for Team Homan to get over that hump this year and win its first Scotties since 2017? Yeah, I think just continuing to focus on the process and focus on all the good things that we've been doing this year um, and go in there, you know, feeling confident about all the training that we've done and the preparation we've done together as a team um, and, you know, not not focusing on that that golden carrot, that outcome at the end of it all, but just trusting that we've done everything that we can do to prepare and, you know, trust that process and then see what happens. Next up is Clancy Grandy, who will be leading her team to a second straight Scotties representing British Columbia. Team Grandy will be looking to improve on last year when they lost in the semis of the championship round, which eliminated the team from further competition. Clancy, your team won the one versus two game against Corinne Brown at Provincials this year after losing that game against Corinne last year. It had to feel good to win that game, not only to avoid the semis, but also to put your team in a great headspace heading into the championship final. Yeah, definitely. Um, like any time that you kind of get yourself into playoffs, it just becomes like one game at a time. And, you know, you can go through the one, two, you can go through the three, four, there's different routes to go. And so we really were just taking it one game at a time the whole week. Um, we were, of course, happy to have the extra rest. Um, we've been training a lot, so we'll take the rest that we can get. And yeah, we felt good about the ice and how we played. So you scored a five-ender in the championship final at the BC Provincials, uh, Clancy. Now, I've learned from speaking to elite curlers over the years that 10-end games can be tricky, even if you have a big early lead. Did you and the team discuss this during the break between the ends after that five-ender, knowing that there was still a ways to go before the end of the game and there was still plenty of time for Team Brown to, to make a comeback? Yeah, like it's such a long game playing 10 ends. So there was so much time left with it only being the second end of the game. Um, so really the focus was just the same as every other end. Like, okay, let's stick with it. Let's execute precisely um, and just kind of take each shot in the moment, um, focus on each shot as it comes. So, 
Lance, your team had a decent week at the Scotties last year, although it seemed like you could never really get on a sustained roll. What did the team learn last year that might allow you to navigate the week a little differently this year in Calgary? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't think it really changes too much. I think more so we now have the experience of the Scotties itself and kind of what it feels like to play on that ice, be in that atmosphere. Um, And I know Calgary is going to be an amazing atmosphere Um, And just like the other things that come along with the Scotties, so the amount of time it takes pre and post game, media, um, your schedule, like all that kind of stuff we now feel more comfortable with. Um, But in terms of the actual games, it's still really like we don't look too far ahead. It's just one game at a time. Um, Of course, you'd love to get on a little bit of a win streak and get a few in a row under your belt but um we just go with each game as it comes and you know at the end of the day um to get yourself into playoffs you have to have the record to be there but you really just do have to get each game as you can um and we'll take the wins as they come you have a buy in the first draw for your pool at the skies in calgary this year clancy do you like the idea of watching other teams and perhaps getting some insights into the ice conditions or would you prefer hitting the ice right away and playing rather than waiting for that first game Um, Yeah, like we really don't have any control over it. So when I just saw the schedule yesterday, so far with what we can look at, like we're happy with our schedule, we feel good about it. Um, We'll definitely watch the first draw, whether that's on TV or a little bit in the arena, Um, just kind of enjoy it and see how the ice is running. But I know that the ice makers that are there are excellent and I know the ice is going to be really good. So I'm sure by Saturday we'll be feeling comfortable and ready to go. Your team was one of the big stories on the World Curling Tour last year, Clancy, given your success in your first year as a team. Now, the results have not been as good this season for your team. Have you been able to put your finger on why the results have not been as consistent this season? Yeah, I think a couple different things go into that. So last season, like we were a new, brand new team. I had never played with any of the girls before. Um, Chemistry-wise, I think we kind of hit the ground running, and that was probably why we had early success um but we were just playing 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 and there was not a lot of training time built into that um and I don't regret that decision because it was what we needed to do in the moment but we also knew that just because we were having success it didn't mean that we were where we wanted to be as a team and there was kind of like a bigger picture there when we formed the team um so going into this season we had a lot of things and even the end of last season we had a ton of things that we wanted to work on both technically tactically in all aspects of the game Um, And we decided to take a lot of time and really break things back down to basics, um, start from scratch and just figure out, okay, as a team, like, what do we actually want our identity to be? How do we want to throw the rock? What do we want that to look like? Um, And that's what we started diving into. Um, Of course, once you start doing that, you have to expect that there's going to be a learning curve and like a dip in performance. Uh, So we just kind of had to trust the process and just know like we need to go through this as a team and we might have to take a bit of a hit in the rankings, but that's okay because again, like there's a bigger picture in mind um, and there's like a purpose behind what we're doing. It's very intentional. Um, And then unfortunately to start the season, we had um, Sarah had an injury, our lead. And so she had to take a little bit of time away from the game. 
um, in order to rehab and recover. And luckily now she's totally back up to normal, um, feeling really good and really strong. So um, we're happy that she's back to that point and now we're back together again um and we almost kind of feel like we're starting a new season in a sense because now all of the planning preparation training has gone into place and and now we're feeling like we're at a good point to get into the competition your team traveled overseas and won an event in scotland in january how important was that event clancy not only because it gave you some positive vibes heading into provincials but also because it probably reinforced the fact that the work you'd put in earlier in the season was paying off definitely yeah like that was um an opportunity for us to put in to practice kind of what we had been doing um and it was like a bit of a trial run of okay let's see how things are working and where we're at um and obviously with it being an international event there's extra things that come with that travel jet lag um dealing with being being away and being in an unfamiliar place and i think those are also really important experiences for us to have as a team so there was a couple different layers to that but it was really good trial run for provincials um the ice conditions were very good out there and yeah, we just got a really good opportunity to kind of play some games as a team and um, start feeling good about that side of things as well. Finally, Clancy, given the fact that this has been a building year for the team, what would a good week look like for Team BC at this year's Scotties? Yeah, we're really like last year, we felt super honored and excited to get the chance to represent BC um, for the first time as a team at the Scotties. And we were proud of our performance, but definitely left wanting more um, and knowing that as a team, we could do more. So again, this week, like you just can't look too far ahead because it's such a long week and it's it's such a grind. Like every single game is going to be tough and um, in one way or another. And so we're just going to take it one game at a time, but we're going there with the intention of doing BC really proud and also doing ourselves really proud, um, showing ourselves kind of what we can do um, against the rest of the competition in Canada. Next up is Kate Cameron, who will be competing in Scotty's number seven for her, but this is the first time she will be skipping the team. Her team qualified as a wild card after losing in the semis of the Manitoba Provincials. Kate, I want to start by taking you back to Provincials, an event where you started well before stumbling a little bit towards the end of the week, culminating in a semis loss to Beth Peterson. Now, obviously, you would have much preferred winning Provincials, but I'm wondering how satisfied you were with your team's performance, given that this was your first Provincial Championship together as a team. Yeah, I think um, obviously losing the semifinal isn't how we kind of envisioned the week for ourselves, but I don't think that the performance we put forward in the semifinal kind of reflects the rest of the week that we had. I think it was one of the first events that I think we were very close to um, going on on all cylinders, and I think that that was kind of a big breakthrough for our team in that aspect. So although we may not have put uh, our best game out there um, when it mattered, but... um, I think that there's lots to build off of and uh, looking back to reflect on that week, I think it was overall uh, a good week for us. So I have to ask, how closely were you following scores on the final Sunday of the Manitoba Provincials, knowing that results from other provinces would impact whether you qualified for the Scotties or not as a wild card? Um, going in, like once we lost out of our own provincial, we did kind of realize there was a lot fewer scenarios um, than prior to provincials, obviously. Um 
we did kind of know at that point if Caitlin had won Manitoba um, that we were likely in good standing to go forward at that point. So, yeah, we were going into the week. We thought if we were in a position to play Caitlin in the final, that um, I think that we would have had a really good shot either way. Um, obviously, when we lost in the semi, we weren't really sure kind of where that stood and how points kind of aligned for that. So, um, once it was a little more clear and Jerry was updating those standings really quickly, um, yeah, we we were following along uh, once we got home from Morden. It must have felt strange having to cheer for Caitlin Laws in the final at Provincials not long after competing against her in the same event. Yeah, I think, uh, obviously, uh, we wish we could have done it ourselves, and it's really nice to be given kind of a second chance, but uh, we really kind of wanted to put ourselves in a position to confirm either a Provincial Championship or a wildcard spot on our own, so to have to rely on uh, a few other teams to kind of help us out wasn't obviously ideal, and and uh, yeah, we're thankful. we're thankful to be in the position we're in. Your team played a bunch of events this season, Kate, uh, 13 in total, I believe. Was a heavy schedule an attempt at giving your new lineup a better chance to gel? Or was it more about chasing points in the hope of uh, positioning yourselves uh, for the slams and, and other big events? I guess a little bit of both, but actually, like, we absolutely didn't want to play as much as we did. And I think it uh, we started the season knowing we were behind everyone because of starting a new season or starting a new team in the second year of a cycle. So we did play earlier than normal because of that sole reason. And, and uh, we wanted to kind of put ourselves in a position to be in the slams. And we kind of knew playing a little bit of a heavier beginning may have given us a little bit more grace going forward into the season, um, which it did luckily uh, because I think the second half of our season wasn't as strong as the first half, which I think is kind of uh, a bit of the problem, I think, but, yeah, we weren't expecting to get into the slams right away. And I think because we were, we then made all of the slams that our season had four extra events on it that um, unfortunately our, our events, I guess we would have liked to maybe drop out of happened in September and October. So going into November and December, when we were already kind of at max capacity uh, for events, we didn't feel that dropping those really big events still that were, weren't slams was in our favor either. So In the offseason, you essentially merged two teams with you and Taylor McDonald joining forces with Megan Walter and Mackenzie Elias. Now, I realize that the second half of your season may not have gone according to script, but how satisfied are you with your team's progression this season? Yeah, I think there's always a lot of talk of, you know, combining two teams that were already kind of like established or doing well last year and that I don't know if it's an expectation, but it seems that always it comes up in conversation like this of how um, it's just kind of expected that teams will just take off where they left off. But adding two new players are really is just reforming a whole new team. And there was a lot of processes and changes that we all kind of put forward. Um, And it wasn't like, hey, this is how we did it on our team. So this is what we expect of you or vice versa. It was very much let's find our own process and and figure out what we need to do to compete against the best in the world. So I think there's been a lot of learning, but also it's been really fun. We've had some highs and some lows, but off the ice, like this is a wonderful group of girls. And even though the other two are quite a bit younger than Taylor and I, we've built some pretty good friendships in here too. So I think that there's a lot of respect. And I think at the end of the day, like we all just, we know that we we want the same things. And I think that's really um, valuable now on a team to find four players all at the exact same point of what they want to achieve. Kate, you've played on a few different lineups in the past decade. Uh, how much do those previous transitions and experiences help you when joining forces with new teammates? 
I think it's it's easier to have those awkward conversations and and being open and honest with each other but also you know playing with the same group of girls for a while you really do kind of build that family bond with them so uh, it's been great on this team I think that we got to that point quite quite quickly and um, we've all become good friends with one another and our families are all quite close now so it's been um, a really easy team to adapt to but I don't think that it's always that lucky starting new teams and I think that there can be a lot of challenges and a lot of um, tough conversations so we're doing those things but I think that we all appreciate and value each other so much that uh, it's always always with the best interest of the team uh, in mind. Now, Kate, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that this will be your first year that you skip a team at the Scotties. Will having more responsibilities and more things on your plate change how you approach the event? Uh, it is my first Scotties I've skipped at. Yeah, I've only ever been as a third. So definitely a little bit different in that aspect. I think in general, just kind of the biggest change for me, honestly, is just like the mental fatigue that comes with skipping and and maybe that sounds super lame but um it's something I've never really been used to so I think playing third I had a different mindset I would say than I do as a skip I feel like it's a lot easier to be hard on yourself this way so I think you know working with a sports psych this year has been way different than it's ever been uh prior so I think that uh, going into longer events such as the Scotties like this will obviously be the longest one so far for me as a skip but um I think to be able to stay in that safe mind mindset and be able to um, park each day and start the next day as a new day I think is going to be kind of my biggest challenge so um, the media those types of things that stuff doesn't really bother me Um, it's fun to kind of be there and take in all that moment anyways so uh, that'll be different for sure but I think it'll be fun. And finally Kate how have you and the team approached preparing for the Scotties have you looked at the schedule and strategized how you will approach different games have you tried to scout teams that you might not be familiar with how have you navigated the preparation for this year's Scotties. Yeah, I think uh, I definitely haven't mapped it out per se, but being in quite a few of these now, um, a lot of these women have played on other teams or or I've competed against uh, somewhere along the way. So it's actually quite fun. Some of those teams that maybe aren't so well known or um, aren't your average household names that I think it's really nice to be able to rekindle with those people. And whether I played against them in juniors or my first couple of Scotties, uh, a lot of these teams have formed new teams or are coming on to younger teams, whatever it might be and I think that's really great so honestly I think there's only maybe one or two teams that I don't know anyone on and I look forward to meeting them my next guest is Danielle Inglis who won the Ontario Scotties and will be competing with her own team at the Scotties for the first time after serving as an alternate on a couple of occasions so Danielle I know you've technically been to the Scotties before as an alternate but this is the first time you've qualified with your very own team tell me about winning that first provincial Scotties it feels amazing it feels like it's finally sinking in now i just so proud of our team for how hard we work all season for this we made it our goal and it's just it's almost indescribable to be able to really see that come to fruition honestly just so much hard work went into this your team qualified a side at provincials that danielle highlighted by a 10 to 4 win over carly howard a team that you would lose to in the one versus two game now i can appreciate wanting to win all your games but i'm wondering if that loss to carly in the 1v2 game perhaps allowed your team to refocus together if you will for the remainder of the playoffs yep it, that was exactly what we thought about it we if you're going to drop a game then you want to drop it early not in the final and so for our team, too, being able to get another game on the ice uh, in the semifinal 
was pretty important too. That semifinal game might have been one of our best collectively all season, actually. So having that momentum going into the final was really crucial for us. Moving on to the provincial final, uh, Danielle, arguably the biggest game of your curling career so far. And in the sixth end, you score a big four-ender to take a 6-2 lead, only to have Team Howard come straight back the next end and score three of their own. It must have really felt like a roller coaster at that point. It was. Um, to be honest, when I when the Rock came to a rest, I didn't realize that it was four um, because there was a chance we could have wicked the back of the Rock. Um, so when the, the person held up the, uh, the four, uh, and put it on the scoreboard, I, I think I was just as surprised as a bunch of the people in the crowd were <laughs> actually. Uh, but honestly, when, when we did get that big end in the six, there was still a lot of game left to play. So of course it, it was a happy moment, uh, and a huge moment for the game, but you also know that there's still so much game to go. So I didn't allow myself to get too hyped up about that situation simply because there was a lot of game left to go. And we saw them come back and, and get a three in the next end. Um, and so that's that's really how the game goes. And when you're playing a 10-end game versus an 8-end game, that's one of the big differences that it takes a strong team to defend a lead, and it also takes a strong team to try to come back for – from a big deficit, uh, but there are, so it's truly, I'm stumbling over my words here, but really it's just all about being in the moment um, and not allowing yourself to get too excited uh, about a big end. I don't remember offhand, Danielle, on what day and in what order each provincial final was played, but I was wondering if you were keeping an eye on the out-of-town scoreboard to see if you'd sewn up a wildcard berth before you played in your provincial final. Well, because our final was on Friday, we it, our, we didn't have a spot secured in the for a wild card spot. So for us, the only thing we had in our own destiny was winning the provincial final. So it, really, we weren't. We knew that being in the final and the points that we would get from the final would be huge. But we also knew that there there were a lot of things that could happen that weekend, different permutations. So for us, it was just play our game, get out there, win. And we really wanted to represent Ontario. Um, we we absolutely would have been thrilled if we were a wildcard team, but we really did want to uh, wear, wear the red and black on our uh, back. Danielle, tell me about the progression of your third, Kira Brunton, since joining your team uh, last season. She's a young curler who certainly seems to have a bunch of potential. Kira is amazing. She's she's such a smart player, a great shooter, uh, but really a smart player. And she's wise beyond her years and she she's got um she's got a calm a calming effect and she has a, a quiet leadership to her as well so we love our love our chemistry on the ice we it just we know how each other are feeling or thinking in our conversations they just um especially when we're talking about shots they always always seems to go well and just we're on the same page or if we're not at the beginning, we're, we get there very quick. So uh, love, love the nice chemistry that we have. Before we started recording, Danielle, we talked about your team having a fairly busy playing schedule this season. Were there any specific reasons why you chose to play a little more often than last season as an example? So we made a goal at the beginning of the season to make the Scotties Tournament of Hearts. 
We also had a few other goals in mind. Uh, one was to win at least two tournaments this season. Another one was to make it to a Grand Slam, which we sort of done <laughs> with uh, our Tier 2 appearance. We lost out in the semi there, so we were just shy of a berth into the Tier 1 Slam. Uh, but we, so in order to do that, we knew we needed to play hard early uh, to get the points to get us to that situation. And then when the beginning of the season was going well and we were climbing up the rankings, we sat down at, at various points during the season and evaluated what else we could play in and what made sense for our team to be able to continue getting those points and get closer to one of those slam spots. So we added um, events such as the the Scotland event right at the end. We saw that there was an opening for there and we took it. So we're we're happy to to be able to have get us to that point where where we felt comfortable. We didn't want to leave anything out on the table. We wanted to make sure that we put ourselves in the best possible position to meet all of our goals. And finally, Danielle, you've been to several Scotties over the past uh, years, both as an alternate and as a Curling Canada staff member. Now, I realize that nothing you've done from the press box or from behind the scenes of the venue will help you deal with the nerves of skipping your first Scotties, but I wonder if your knowledge and appreciation of the different time commitments a team faces when at the Scotties might make it easier for you than it would for another rookie skip at the event. Well, I would say being in the environment definitely gives me... Um gives me more perspective of what's going on behind the scenes. I also have a greater appreciation for the amount of work that goes into creating such a huge event like this. I, there, There's always something different being a player at one of these events. And as you mentioned, I've been an alternate twice at the Scotties. But now being uh, being one of the main players, it'll be a whole different ball game. So there will be some nerves, but, but it's something that I look forward to. It's... Um, it's been a dream of mine for uh, for years, I guess forever. That's been one of my goals. I believe I wrote that down when I was 15 or 16. And uh, so finally, years and years later, it's coming true. Last but certainly not least is Heather Smith, who will be returning to the Scotties after a 10-year absence. She will be representing Nova Scotia at the Scotties, a province that she led to a third-place finish at the 2011 Scotties. Heather, your team opened up Provincial by losing your first game and then went undefeated the rest of the way. Did the loss in the first game serve as a wake-up call, or was it simply a matter of you and the team leaning on your experience to help you navigate the rest of the event? Yeah, I mean, I think looking back on that game, I don't think I felt any level of stress after losing it. Of course, it was disappointing, but, um, you know, when it's a triple knockout, you know, you know you have multiple lives. And the truth is we didn't play badly that first game. We actually played quite well and we left a few points on the table early on in the game that could have made the difference. And um, so I think we left that game knowing that our opposition played extraordinarily well. So hats off to them um, and that we didn't play badly. And if we could just keep bringing it and keep believing, then we would probably be okay. So yeah, probably drawing on experience and knowing that, uh, you know, you can't defeat yourself right out of the gate in a provincial. How important was the win over Christina Black in the one versus two game at Provincials, Heather? Did it give your team that little bit of extra confidence going into the championship final, especially given the fact that you had lost both your games against Christina this season and the fact that her team had been the dominant team in Nova Scotia over the past few seasons? After the first loss, to be honest, we just played really well and we just kept that going and we we knew we were going to have to play 
you know, probably in the nineties as a team um, for both the one, two. And if we, you know, won that again in the final and uh, yeah, we just, we knew the level of play that we would need to bring because they're such an exceptional team. And yeah, of course it gave us confidence. And uh, you know, we were just the team that kind of brought it together when we needed to. And um, you know, you have to think that the experience and knowing that um, what we were capable of, um, certainly played a huge factor in that. But, yeah, that win was huge for us. We played really well in the 1-2 game. Um, and then just same in the final. You know, brought that same team back to the final the next day. To begin the season, uh, Heather, Marie Christensen uh, skipped your team with Jill Brothers at third, and you were playing second. By the time you got to Provincials, you were skipping and threw third rocks, with Jill throwing fourth rocks and Marie dropping to second. At what point uh, during the season were uh, the changes made to the lineup? Yeah, I mean, we we went into the year, you know, Colleen Jones is our coach, and uh, we went into the year just knowing that we have four really exceptional, talented, experienced players, and we weren't really sure what the right lineup for this team was. Um, and everybody was really open to kind of tweaking and figuring things out as the season went on. Um, as, you know, you and I were chatting with before we came on um, and started recording, I haven't played for a few years, so... I personally didn't even know what I was capable of at this point in my career, you know, coming back and, uh, you know, thinking that I had something to contribute, wasn't sure what that would be. Um, and let's just be honest, putting me at second and having me sweet probably wasn't the best idea. So, uh, you know, um, looking at everybody's strengths um, and experience and where we've excelled in the past um, kind of brought us to this lineup um, with Colleen kind of at the helm of making that change kind of midway through the fall. Heather, you've been to the uh, Scotties six previous times, but it will be your first uh, appearance at the Scotties since 2014. Uh, you were away from the competitive side of the sport for the better part of a decade. What brought you back, uh, Heather? Was it a passion for the sport? Did you miss it? Or was it just a timing thing? Probably all of the above. Uh, you know, I played a little bit last year, um, just kind of got back in a little bit uh, with Teresa Breen and uh, uh, her team just a little bit at the senior level because I turned the magic age last year. And I ended up going to the Scotties with Team New Brunswick last year as their alternate because Katie had a their lead. Katie had an injury and they weren't sure if they would need somebody. And I think I was probably the only choice because I could be the resident. I had the residence card and I didn't play in the Nova Scotia Scotties. So all the world aligned for them going, hey, Heather, do you want to come with us? Um, so was able to reconnect with Jill because she was on that team last year and yeah, I think just at this point in my life, I, you know, I'm not coaching this year. I have been around the game the last few years with my kids, um, so I haven't been completely away from it. Uh, but just, you know, I have a little more time now um, because my kids have gotten a little bit older and just really felt like I still had something that I could contribute and, um, you know, just felt like I was in really good shape and just, you know, know that my experience could help a team. And we have an alternate in Taylor Stevens, uh, who is, most of your listeners would know, is an incredibly talented, just out of juniors player. Um, she's fi finishing up her accounting designation, you know, this season and next season. So my joke was, I will come back for a couple of years, Taylor, and you can have my spot on the team after that. So, um, you know, we have her on board. We're thrilled that she's coming with us to the Scotties and that she can learn and be inspired and uh yeah, I think at the end of the day, I just felt like I still had something that I could contribute, and um, and I have the time. So I'm curious, what did you miss the most about uh, competing at the elite level? And also, what about competing at the elite level did you not miss at all? 
Uh, miss oh, the people for sure. Um, you know, just the camaraderie of building a team and uh, figuring out personalities and how we can best work together. Like, I love that part of the game. Um, uh, you know, it's a lot of work. Uh, I think that when we look at our rise this year and the, the finish of provincials, like, you know, you're on the ice every day. Um, you're in the gym a lot. Um, so there's that part of the game that, you know, not that I forgot about that, but just, you know, certainly a huge wake up call of what it's going to, what it takes to be an elite team and not saying that we would be, you know, in the category of the grand slam teams by any means. I know they just put so much time into the game, but even just, you know, being that B level team in Canada, like it still takes being in the gym, being in on the ice every day and that work, work ethic that's required, um and and not you know i i love that part of the game but it's also you know a huge commitment so uh you know people have to realize that when they're looking at you know these teams that that make the scotties or make provincial finals that that didn't just happen overnight that there's a lot of work that goes in the sport of curling has evolved quite a bit in the last 10 years heather what were the biggest differences you noticed in the sport at the elite level after being away for several years yeah i think i would say just the level of shot making um, and you know, the raw in, in women's curling, um, the elevation of play, um, has significantly risen. Um, you know, we started the season with, you know, mapping out what we thought we needed to shoot as a team percentage wise to be competitive, um, you know, with Colleen, you know, at the table and, you know, we, I think that we probably undershot that by about 5% as a team. I think you have to be shooting, you know, 85, 90% as a team these days to even be competitive with the top team. So I would just say overall, the level of play and the shot making precision in the women's game has elevated a lot. And that's so exciting and impressive to see. Um, and then also the sweeping side of the game, the fitness level, um, you know, the, the different techniques, you know, that just even calling line, you know, now versus, you know, eight, nine years ago is completely different in, in how you manage a stone, um, from release to, to completion of the shot, you know? So, um, yeah, there's a lot that's changed and, you know, having, you know, it's taken me a little time to adjust everything. And, uh, you know, now that I'm back in the house and calling the game and five rock rule and, you know, directional sweeping and all that fun stuff, it's, um, yeah, there's a lot has changed, uh, but I think all in a good thing, you know, like I think it's a good, we're seeing some, some great growth in the game. Um, but there's certainly, you can see a divide between the grand slam teams and the teams that don't get those opportunities. And, uh, you know, that divide's getting bigger and bigger. I totally concur with what you just said about the growing gap between the slam teams and the tier two teams in Canada, Heather, but that would be the subject of its own very long podcast episode. Finally, uh, the teams representing Nova Scotia, Heather, often find a way to make some noise at the Scotties, even when they are not among the top-ranked teams. What will it take for your team to work its way into the mix of teams vying for a spot in the championship round late into the week in the Calgary? Uh, I would say playing like we did in the 1-2 game in the final. Uh, if we can bring that play to our round robin, um, you know, Colleen's like, girls, just go back and watch those two games. You know, you've got it in you. And so I think just, you know, those were two games that our team probably shot in the 90% as a team. We controlled the scoreboard. We, you know, it was they were two very good, good performances. So I think that's what it's going to take. <laughs> 
And that does it for part one of the From the Hack 2024 Scotty's Preview. A big thank you to all of the guests who took time out of their busy schedules for joining me. Part two of the Scotty's Preview will be available later this week. Also, don't forget to check out our partners and friends in the Curling Podcast Network, the Two Girls in the Game Podcast, the Rock Logic Podcast, and the Curling Legends Podcast. I'm Frank Rock, and you're listening to the From the Hack Curling Podcast, part of the Curling News and Sports Illustrated Partnership.